Good morning and welcome again to Grace Community Church. If this is your first time, we extend to you a very special welcome. My name is Brad Talley. I am the teaching elder here at Grace. I will not be teaching this morning. Ricky Lee will be preaching for his first time. Don't be nervous, Ricky. It is a tough crowd, though, I can tell you that. But, and so that is Ricky's introduction. God, I will, let me add, God has blessed us so greatly. With this man, if you don't know him and his family, Ricky and April Lee, take the time to get to know these guys. I know you're going to be blessed this morning, even if he's incredibly nervous and just can I'm sorry. Um, Our prayer focus today is spreading the gospel through children's ministry. Now, if you were here last week, you might say, we just had this. As our prayer focused last week, and we could have it for three or four more weeks, we have a requirement for membership at Grace Community Church. You must have at least six children. So we have a lot of children in our children's ministry. It it, it seems that way sometimes. Um, Right now, we have 80 children in the back uh, on a typical Sunday. We have a lot of the children in here for now. They will be going out. Just at Advent time, we do that. But we, we need volunteers. We need teachers. We need assistants. We especially need assistants. Uh, I don't know if you have any idea, especially if you're not a part of children's ministry in any way, if you don't have children back there, I don't know if you have any idea of how effective these guys are at teaching our children. They do a wonderful job. Our prayer focus this week points us to the reality that the children in this room are our responsibility, not just the responsibility of the parents. Now, we take your children's safety very seriously. Nobody teaches until we've been here. They've been here long enough. We do a background check, all of that. But we need help. In the back, we need, we, last week we needed 17 workers. Now we need 12. Is that correct? So that's a good start, but we need 12 more workers. And listen, if only the parents of the children who were learning in the back are serving in the back, that's not enough. We need lots of members of Grace Community Church to say, yeah, I will do that. I'll serve one Sunday a month. So please see Keisha. Keisha, wave your hand over there. Everybody knows Keisha. So please check with Keisha after the service or any of the children's ministry workers. Uh, Just tell them, I want to get involved. How do I get involved? So three prayer requests. Pray for the gospel to be clearly presented and received by young hearts and minds that God has placed in our body. Two, pray often for our children's ministry leaders and workers. And three, serve our children by volunteering to teach, assist, or serve as a substitute once a month. By the way, that's that's not stated as pray about serving. It just says serve. That's kind of uh, that part of the request. It will be impossible for us to serve the needs in our children's ministry if only parents serve. So lift up your hearts right now. It's so appropriate that we have little voices in here as we pray. Go to the Lord in prayer. Scott Chambly is going to start us off and then I'll close and our our, uh, deacons will come for our offering.
Lord, we thank you for the children that you have brought to this covenant community known as Christ Community Church. We thank you for this beautiful part of our family. Uh, We acknowledge the challenges before us and pray that you would uh, challenge and, and thrill our hearts to be a part of that ministry. Lord, we pray that you'll raise up the workers that are needed. Father, uh, that you will also raise up the funds we need to pay off this building so that we can build a new building and begin to think about accommodating all of the children that are going to be moving into our area and all of the children that come as a result of the parents of the ones who are here sharing the gospel, sharing the beautiful thing that you're doing here at Grace. And bringing them in. So, Lord, uh, we pray your blessings on this offering, on our children's ministry, on the ministry of the word. We pray for Ricky that he would preach with power this morning. Thank you for bringing Ricky and April Lee, Lord, and Hudson and Ellison Olson to us. We pray uh, this day that our hearts would rise not only in gratitude to you, but in submission to you for the word that we hear preached. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. God, we thank you for the peace of God that we get to enjoy as believers. We thank you for the peace with God that we also get to enjoy. God, we thank you for your word that it's true. And Lord, you've given it to us to hold on to. Father, you've given us a church to experience life together. And Lord, you are working in us through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this time together to come together, to worship, to hope together, and to enjoy peace together. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Welcome to Grace Community Church. Just as uh, Brad, Brad had said, I am pretty new here, and I have a pretty large family, and my family's getting bigger. So we, we, we came on staff back in April, and this church loves new people. They have welcomed my family and I in. They, have, they cooked us great food. They helped us move in. They have made us feel at home here at Grace. And, I, and we, we're a lot of people to love on. I have, we're a family of five. Okay, and then we have another one coming. So I have my wife, April, and we have Hudson, who is six. We have Ellis, who is three. We have Olson, who is one. So we're part of the problem um, of so many kids in the back. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. And we have another one going to be here in January. So our family is growing, and we are grateful. Our house is crazy. If you guys have been to, the, out to our house before, there's toys everywhere. It's just our couches are trampolines. I don't know if you remember those days when it's just like, it's okay, just don't get hurt. You know, you just have to eventually kind of give up and just try to keep them alive. So we, that's, our, that's our main goal. But we, we enjoy our family. We're grateful for them. And right now, our only time to kind of talk a lot of times is after the kids go to bed. And for our family, we try to get the kids to bed like 9, 9.30-ish, something like that. Now, that may be late for some of you guys, but we start at like 7.30. But we just don't get them to bed until closer to 9 or 9.30. But when we finally get them to bed, we get to go, we get to relax, we get to talk a little bit, we get to, you know, 
I may do some schoolwork, may do some reading, we get to watch a movie, or we, we binge watch a show on Netflix, I don't know if you guys have ever done that, shamefully you can, oh, you don't have to be shameful, we watched eight episodes of 24 in a row one time, can you believe that, I'm not ashamed, April's really embarrassed probably right now by me sharing that, it was, it was before we had kids, and afterwards I was ready to, I was ready to go, eight, eight hours of Jack Bauer, so, but anyway, that's our time, that's our time alone to unwind a little bit, is after the kids are in bed. And recently, a friend of mine, he, he let me borrow this movie, and he said, Ricky, you have got to watch this movie. And normally, we don't watch full movies anymore, as I said, because the kids are in bed at 9.30. We don't start them until 10 or 10.30, so we fall asleep. But this movie, it kept me awake. And the, the main star in it was Tom Hanks. I don't know if you guys have ever, um, you know, watched many Tom Hanks movies, if you're a big fan of Tom Hanks. I love Tom Hanks. His movies always, <clears throat> they, they get me, they, they, they really move me. And growing up, there was this movie called Big. Have you guys seen Big? I loved Big. Okay, remember the floor piano? Whatever, I need to watch out, there's fire up here. But anyway, he plays, the, he plays, the, <clears throat> he plays like the floor keyboard. <clears throat> I love that, 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 that part. And then he has his own place, and there's a trampoline in his home. He has a Pepsi machine in his home, all at the age of 12. I love the movie Big. But uh, there's the Polar Express. How many of you have watched the Polar Express already this year? All right, if hands went down, but we have, we have a few up. Good. Our family will be watching the Polar Express. That's a newer Tom Hanks. That's a good movie as well. I even, I even get moved in that. But on some more serious movies, uh, like uh, Apollo 13, that was big to me. Saving Private Ryan, The Green Mile. There are plenty of real good castaway. These movies of Tom Hanks, they just really, they, they, they move you. And more recently, Toy Story 3. It's okay. If you cried during Toy Story 3, you can admit it. This is a safe place. I cried during Toy Story 3, okay? Every, you know you did too. So Toy Story 3, it, it moves you. I mean, maybe a lot of the Toy Story movies do. So, but anyway, the movie that, that we borrowed that had Tom Hanks in it, it was a movie called Captain Phillips. And we started this movie, as I said, about 10 o'clock. And man, this movie was intense. I don't know if you guys have seen Captain Phillips, but I stayed awake for the whole thing. And I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, it's even more intense than the furnace scene in Toy Story 3, if you remember that. I mean, it is, that, is, that is intense if you beat the furnace scene. It was so intense. And I, I'm not planning on selling a ship around the Horn of Africa anytime, but that movie messed me up. And, and I was really, really torn up by that, by that movie. So we, we wrapped it up about 12 o'clock. April went to bed. And then I, I kind of get obsessed about things. I don't know if any of you guys are Wikipedia people. I, I am. And I just get on Wikipedia and three hours have passed. And I've, you just, I've been on a big trail of things I've been researching. So I get on Wikipedia and I start looking up about Captain Phillips. I see where the movie was filmed, the ships they used. And then I, I start you know, searching on Google the images of what the real people looked like. And I'm just really sucked in. Bad idea, like 1230 in the morning. And then I'm reading articles about piracy and how it's still a big problem today, even Somalian pirates. And they have these ships held captive right now. And I am in my neighborhood over here in Victoria Hills, just a few miles away. I'm behind locked doors in a comfortable, cozy living room. And all I can think about is what am I going to do when I see the skiffs start coming after my ship? I mean, I am just, I'm torn up. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, it messed me up. This movie really got me. But I finally fell asleep, and I woke up the next morning. I came to church, my normal routine. You know how it goes. After 
you get going for a couple hours, then you, it hits you. I had a dream last night. So I, I remembered, I had a dream. Guess what it was about? <laughs> Somalian pirates chasing my ship. So it, it got me. I had trouble sleeping, and it even affected me when I slept. It brought fear to me, this movie did. Now, have you guys ever felt that kind of fear before? Maybe, maybe it's from watching a movie too close to bedtime like me. Maybe it even happens to adults. It happened to me. Or maybe I should ask, when's the last time you felt fear that way? Where you had trouble sleeping and maybe you couldn't sleep at all. That's probably a better way to ask instead of if you have. When's the, when's the last time? How, how many times? Maybe if you're a kid, this time of the Christmas season, you've been in a shopping mall or Walmart or something, Target, and you look up <clears throat> and you realize you don't recognize anyone. And you feel this unfamiliar feeling of abandonment. I'm lost. And the fear that comes to you, there's nothing like that. Maybe as a parent, maybe you've been holding your son or daughter, their, their, their hand, and you let go just for a second in a busy shopping place, and you look down and they're gone. And you have this surreal feeling of just I've lost control. I'm not really in control. There's nothing like that. Maybe you have, maybe you can't stop your mind from, from wondering some things. Maybe you've been through some tough things or some things happening in your life and you just can't help but wonder how much, how much do other people really know? And what do they, what do they think? And that just can't, you can't get that out of your mind and it just brings this fear and it just cripples you on worrying about what other people really think about you. This, this fear is tough and it cripples us and it feels like you're on a roller coaster and, and I grew up going to over Six Flags over Georgia and I, you start, start on the roller coaster <clears throat> and once it takes off and it starts click, 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 there's no turning back. <laughs> you know, the only way off of that thing is to go through it. Maybe you could like fake a heart attack or something. I don't know. Maybe that would work. I've never tried it. So I'd probably get kicked out. But you, once you start the roller coaster, there's no way to get through it. There's no way to, to be away from it other than to, to go through it. You, you have to endure. And some of us live life in fear. and We've all been crippled at times by the, the pain that fear can bring to our lives. And the only way to deal with it is just to get through it and endure but living in fear, that's not something that's, that we just deal with. It's not a new thing today when we, we have to deal with, with nuclear, with biological cyber warfare. I mean, even today, we remember over 70 years ago, December 7th, 1941, a lot of the country was waking up and they spent their mornings hearing the news of what had happened in Pearl Harbor. This fear that we all have to deal with. The Israelites also had to deal with fear people of the ancient east. And we're going to be talking about Judges chapter 6 this morning. And we're going to read about these people who lived in fear. And we're going to see why and what happened. So why are they living in fear? Judges chapter 6 verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. So the people of Israel, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And we'll see here, this is a very, very desperate situation that the Israelites are living in. You see, the Israelites, they, the evil that they have done is the sin of idolatry. 
In the Lord, he hates idolatry. In the Lord, he's punishing the people of Israel for their sin by allowing the Midianites to come in and to overpower them. And in the book of Judges, this isn't a new thing. You know, the, this, is, this is something, somewhat of a cycle that we read about in Judges. Now, this is the worst punishment we've seen so far in the book of Judges. But there's this cycle that goes, and it goes like this. You have, you have sin, judgment, repentance, and rescue. Okay, it's just this cycle that happens in Judges. Sin, judgment, repentance, and rescue. So the people would sin The Lord would send judgment. They would cry out to the Lord, and then he would send a rescuer, a deliverer. He would use a judge to to save them. And the people, they had sinned by loving and worshiping other gods instead of the the one true God. So the Lord, he gave them into the hand of Midian. So the people, they're living life scared and oppressed. They are crippled by the fear that they are having to live with. See, they would plant their crops, okay, to provide for their family. They would, they would have, their, have their animals, and they would wait for the time when it's almost time to reap the harvest. They can eat. They can provide for their family. But the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the people of the east, they would come in, and they would devour everything. They would take it all away. They had, they had worked so hard and they just couldn't wait to have what they needed. And right before they could get it, someone would come in and take it all and leave them with nothing. They would come so fast in, in such power that they're described as, as locusts. And locusts, they would come like this black cloud in the sky. Just picture this, this black cloud coming. And there's nothing you can do. You can't run, you can't hide, it's coming. (laughs) And you just have to stand there and you have to endure it. And these locusts would come through the land and as they passed through, there was nothing that was left. Nothing. The people were desperate. They were hopeless. And it was ironic in a way. Because the Midianites, the people that overtook the land, they were really a nomadic people. And you see the Israelites, God had given them their land. But they wanted to be like other people around them. In a way, they kind of got what they wanted. Because we see here, the Israelites, they're the ones having to pack up and run for shelter in dens and in caves. While the nomadic Midianites, they come in and they plop down on the land. It's kind of an ironic thing that's, that's taking place here. And they had to endure with this for seven years. Years. Seven years. Now that's a long time. And to some of you, it's longer than to others. But seven years is a long time. Seven years ago, our president was George W. Bush. Seven years ago, the first iPhone was being released. And it it had, if I remember right, four gigs of data is what was offered. (laughs) And we laugh at that now. That's nothing. That's like a few videos. That's nothing. Seven years ago, we had in the BCS National Championship, we had Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Florida Gators. And I see somebody cheering. <laughs> so, and, we, and Urban Meyer was the coach of the Gators, not the Buckeyes. And the Gators won, SEC. So anyway, let's throw that in there. But seven years is a long time ago. And the people had to endure this affliction, this pain, this oppression, live in crippling fear. And knowing they can do nothing about it, it's coming and they can do nothing about it for seven years. So finally, the Israelites, they cry out to God. 
The people, they had had enough, and they finally cry out to God. And it was because of the Midianites that the people cried out to God. The people, you see, they deserved the judgment that they were getting. In the Midianites, they were the, they were the enemies of the Israelites. But God's instrument was the Midianites. God used the Midianites to bring the people judgment. And that's, that's a tough thing when you think about it. Do not think that just because we are more civil and humane than other nations that we will not experience judgment. The circumstances that the Israelites were in, Israelites were in, that caused them great fear and pain. And ultimately, though, it led them back, led them to the Lord. It led them to cry out to the Lord. And remember what happens. Remember the judges cycle, sin, judgment, repentance, and then it's rescue. Is that what happened, though? Let's check out verses 7 through 10. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt, and I brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, and from the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove you out before you, drove them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God, and you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. So why instead, instead of sending the Israelites a deliverer, does he send them a prophet? Why? I mean, after the, you're, you're probably thinking, Ricky, you just told us the cycle. I mean, after repentance is rescue. That's a prophet. That's not rescue. And I'm sure that's what the people were wondering. And it can't, we can't help but wonder, is, is the Lord losing patience with these people maybe? You know, he he didn't just immediately deliver them. Instead, he sent someone to tell them what they have done wrong. He wanted them to hear a sermon first. He wanted to make sure the Israelites know, the Israelites know why they are where they are. Why are they going through what they're going through? The Lord wanted them to know it was because of their disobedience. It was because of their idolatry that they're living in the fear that they're living in. So do the people deserve to be delivered And we may think, yes, I mean, they repented. So yes, they deserve to be delivered. That's what the cycle says. But did the people truly repent? That's the question. If the people repented, then why the need to send a prophet? I don't think they were repenting. God wants the people to repent, repent, just not regret what they have done. Their cry out to God to save them was not a cry of repentance. It was just a cry of regret. And the Bible makes a distinction between the two. 2 Corinthians 7.10 tells us that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So here we are at the end of verse 10. Wondering what happens next. I mean, at the the end of verse 10, we're left with the words, but you have not obeyed my voice. And there's some tension here. We're wondering what is going to happen. I mean, the Lord's always sent a deliverer, but this time he sent a prophet to tell the people, you haven't obeyed my voice. And whenever I tell Hudson, my son, when he's done something wrong, and I come up to him and I say, Hudson, you have not obeyed, daddy. 
It's not like, okay, everything's done, and you know, he's good, and I'm good. No, there's this, there's this waiting, this anticipation. So what? I mean, are you going to let me off, or am I going to get a spanking? Are we going to have a talk? What, what, what's what's going to happen? And we're, we're, we're left with this, you have not obeyed my voice. So what's, what's coming? Verse 11 and 12. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it, from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. This is the call of Gideon. The people, they're desperate. <laughs> they're in need of relief. But they're not repentant. They're just regretful. And we have no evidence that much has changed here. You see, we don't read about the burning of all the pagan altars. We don't read about them cutting down the Asherah poles in the land. And we, we, we see the Gideon, he's actually hiding in the winepress, beating out wheat. He's still fearful and scared. There's, the prophets come, but there's not much that's really changed. Verse 11 gives us great, great hope. We may wonder, why does it, why does it give us hope? Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is the call of Gideon for the Israelites. And praise God that he always meets us when we're not able to meet him. This is the good news of the gospel. That a hopeless people are saved by a gracious God. Tim Keller writes, God does not begin to save us because we repent. We repent because God, he's begun his saving work in us. Through the external work of the Son and the internal work of the Holy Spirit. See, the people, they need to be delivered. (laughs) And God, he is faithful even when they are faithless. When the Israelites, when they were seeking shelter in caves, when they were starving, when they were crushed, when they were hopeless and oppressed and calling out to God, he saved them by using someone among them. We have a lot we can relate to here. See, God too would send us a deliverer from among us. But he, he would arrive in a very unexpected way. And the angel of the Lord, he appears to Gideon. He appears to Gideon to fearful, fearful Gideon. And he refers to him as a mighty man of valor. The, the, the NIV calls him a mighty warrior. And he assures Gideon, the Lord is with you. But does Gideon believe it? Who is this angel? Is it true what's being spoken? The theological term for this is a theophany. Okay, and that that means an appearance of God in an earthly form. And in the Old Testament, we see this when God would appear to the people in bodily form. In Exodus, we see that God appears to Moses in a burning bush. That's a little different uh, theophany than what we see. But the Lord has appeared to Gideon here. To fearful Gideon, to the fearful warrior. And that doesn't really make sense. I mean, fearful warrior, that's kind of an oxymoron, but that's what we have here. God is calling this guy a fearful warrior. He's calling him out. But Gideon's response is not really one you would expect from someone who's being called by God. 
You see in verse 13, Gideon asked, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened? <laughs> I mean, if the Lord is with us, where are all of his wonders that our fathers have told us about? His response to Gideon, I mean, his response to God is to, is to question God's goodness. But Gideon, he couldn't be any further from the truth. Gideon and the people of Israel, they're calling out to God, and he is gracious, and he comes to meet them himself. You see, God, he comes to man. And the Lord tells Gideon, he says, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to send you to deliver the people out of the Midianites' hands. And Gideon, he makes sure that the Lord knows, though, wait, I, I am a weak man, and I come from a weak tribe. You see, I can't, I can't do this. There's no way I can save the people. But the Lord gives him the promise. He says, I will be with you. But apparently the promise isn't enough for Gideon. Because he says, I want a sign. Gideon wants more. He, he wants a sign. People have been crying out for deliverance. But all Gideon can see is his inability to do what God has called him to do. But what he doesn't realize is that God's going to be with him. Come on, Gideon. See, God's going to be with him. So Gideon, wanting his sign, he goes and he prepares an offering. And we can tell by the size of this offering that it's, it's small. It's probably for a god or for, or for gods. And he brings this offering back. And the Lord accepts this offering with fear. Or with fire. God accepts this offering with fire. Gideon's response is fear. Verse 22. Then Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord. And Gideon has said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So Gideon realizes, well, my brother, he would always say, in a quick, fast, and in a hurry. And I, I didn't know really what that meant until I wrote it down and then broke up the words. In a quick, fast, and in a hurry. Gideon realized really quick, quick that, he, that he's in the presence of the Lord. Why so surprised, Gideon? I mean, you called out for him. You called to him. The people have called for him, and you're surprised that he has come? God's always been faithful. He's always delivered his people. You and the rest of the Israelites, you're, Israelites, you're calling out to him, and he's, and he's come. And when Gideon realizes that he has seen the face of God, he knows what should happen. Gideon knows that he, well, he should die. He deserves death. Gideon thought he needed delivering from the Midianites. He thought that they were the cause of his affliction and of his pain and of his fear. But now he gets some perspective once he sees the Lord face to face. So here we are with this this tension again of what's going to happen. Gideon doesn't believe the Lord is who he says he is. And when he realizes what's going on here, we're just left wondering, what's next? <laughs> he knows he deserves to die. Is this it? And, and that was all of Gideon, you know, in the close of the chapter. No. Verse 23. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Man, that's good to hear. You see, it wasn't the Midianites with whom Gideon had a problem. God was Gideon's real problem. 
God had saved his people time and time again, and they would not listen to him. And Gideon and the Israelites, they thought that their affliction was coming from worldly powers and that they needed to really be saved from the Midianites. But their affliction was actually coming from the one whom they have rejected. In short, Israel, they needed peace with God. Israel did not need peace with the Midianites. They needed peace with God. When Gideon saw he had offended whom he had offended, and that he deserved death. But God's words brought him great peace. And when we realize that we have an offense against God, when we feel the weight of what we have done, that's when we can rest in the words that God spoke to Gideon. Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. After Israel's disobedience, even after Gideon's questioning, after our disobedience, after our questioning, God makes peace with us. And in times of fear and desperation and abandonment, know that God has come. And he says to you, peace, do not fear, you shall not die. God wanted to bring peace to the people and he did. God also wanted them to deal with their idolatry. God alone is to be worshipped. In verse 24, Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord, and he called it, The Lord is Peace. Now Gideon had built an altar to the one true saving God. And God wanted him to tear down the altar that was used to serve a false god. And you see, Gideon, he knew about Yahweh. So this tells us that Gideon's father, Joash, he had not abandoned worshiping God. He had just allowed other idols to come in alongside the worship of God. What we see here is the people, their enemy wasn't just the Midianites. It wasn't just people around them. You see, the people's enemy, true enemy, well, it was, it was among them in the form of, of idols. The people, they've been delivered from the wrath of God, and now they have peace with God. But they now need to remove the idols that are in their lives. God wants to be the Lord of every part of their life, of all of them. And God is the same today. You see, God has come to make peace with us. He wants us to rid our lives of the idols, too. God's the same today. Adding anything to Jesus will not give you peace with God. Adding all the presents you are wishing for this Christmas will not give you peace with God. Adding the money you want or need will will not give you peace with God. Having the relationship you desire so much will not give you peace with God. Your best works, your good intentions, it's not going to do it. It's not going to give you peace with God. Only resting in the promises of God will assure your peace with him. God wants to give you peace. And he wants you to remove the idols from your lives. And to worship him alone. To worship Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The God that has come to us and makes peace with us. 
Rest in the words. Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. The narrative of God's call of Gideon, it ends in just a few verses. It ends at the end of verse 32. And God, he commands Gideon to go and to tear down the altar of Baal, to tear down the, the Asherah poles, to cut them down. And even though Gideon, he, he does obey, it's at night, but he obeys. And you see, the people have a decision to make. God's deliverer or the idols. God's come to deliver the people and to save the Israelites once more. But the townspeople and even some of Gideon's family, they run to the defense of Baal instead of the idols. Even in their fear, their desperation, their hopelessness, they ran to the idols for deliverance when God had provided a deliverer for them through Gideon. We have a choice to make as well. Life offers us many idols. And they speak to us that they can come along and accompany our worship of God even. But remember that God has sent us a deliverer too. His name's Jesus. We don't have to live in fear anymore. We don't have to fear the wrath of God. For Jesus has done what was required of us so that we can now see God face to face and not fear. Jesus lived a life we cannot live and he died the death that we deserve. And he rose from the grave giving us the hope and the promise of resurrection. It's because of Jesus We can hear the words that were spoken to Gideon too. The words of peace. Peace to you, do not fear. You shall not die. Peace to you, do not fear. You shall not die. Take heart because God has come to make peace with us. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let us pray and prepare our hearts for communion. Lord, we thank you for the work of your son. God, we thank you for sending Jesus to meet us because Lord, we acknowledge there's no way we could ever get to you on our own. Lord, we thank you that we have peace with God now. Lord, that we can have salvation Through faith, by your grace, Lord, we rest in the work of Jesus and in the words that we hear that were spoken to Gideon. We don't have to die. Our peace has been made. God, I pray that you will help us to turn to you when we fear. Lord, give us eyes to see the idols that are in our lives that we allow to accompany our worship of you. And Lord, that we will respond to this good news, this word from you by ridding our lives of the idols and not putting our hope in the temporary things this world offers us, but putting our hope in you alone. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to take communion. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to ask the elders, deacons, and worship team members to come forward as we prepare for communion. Our only hope is Jesus, and we acknowledge that today as we come to this table and we eat bread and we drink the fruit of the vine that symbolize the body and blood of Christ. We are joined with Christ through faith and we are built up, edified, spiritually helped as by faith we come to this table. And we eat in faith, acknowledging that it is not our good works. It is our hope of heaven. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ shed for us that was a propitiation for our sins. Peace, as Ricky has told us, is so elusive in our day. And the only peace that is going to last is the one that we have with Jesus it's interesting that as we come to this table, not only do we acknowledge that Jesus gave his life for us, his body was broken, his blood was spilt, but we also acknowledge that we belong to the body of Christ. And that body, in our case, is known as Grace Community Church, this part of the body of Christ. And so as we share communion, it is indeed a family meal that we are sharing. We will, in just a moment, after the words are read, allow the elders and the worship team, the deacons, those who are serving, to partake first. And then you will be instructed to come forward. We'll come in on these slanted aisles, if you will. This one feels slanted as well, this middle one. But the two inside aisles that are not the middle aisle, you'll come forward, go to the station in front of you, And then go back either along the walls or up this middle aisle. There will be ushers uh, who will tell you when uh, it's okay for you to to go forward. And you can partake up front or you can take it back with you. If you are not a believer, uh, this is a wonderful time to say my only hope is Jesus. I repent of my sin. I acknowledge that I am a sinner before God and that I have no hope of heaven apart from Jesus. And then believe that what he did on the cross was payment for your sin. Not your church membership, not your baptism, not your giving. All of those things were important. But as believers, as those who have repented and believed, uh, if you are here from another church, we welcome you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we invite you to this table. If you're not a believer, you're not ready to make that choice, You can either come forward and not partake or just stay where you are. It's okay. We appreciate your honesty. Please don't be embarrassed. We'd far rather you say, this is what I believe or don't believe, not just pretend because this is serious business. Paul says when you come to this table, it's serious business. Don't come with unrepentant sin. Don't come saying this is just another meal. It's not. We participate in the blood and body of Christ. This has not become the body and blood of Christ, but it's serious business. 
And we are helped spiritually when we come in faith. So I will read the words and then we'll have just a moment uh, of prayer, silent prayer. There are things you need to say, Lord, I confess this sin. And please don't be fearful. That's what this table represents is that Jesus forgives us of our sin. Be thinking, well, I haven't been good enough. No, just, just say, God, I confess. I confess my sin. And he will forgive you. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus said, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So in addition to looking back and remembering, we are looking forward to the day that all is made as it should be. And there are no more cycles for us to be a part of. It's all restoration. It's all God's blessing eternally with us. And it's all because of Jesus. So let's pray. Take one moment. Meditate on the fact that God has sought you through Jesus Christ and offered in and through him that peace that we've been talking about this morning. I'm so glad that this prayer was prayed over me and the congregation that I grew up in. And because it is, it, it is what our hope is. It's in Christ that, that we receive that peace from Him. I encourage you not to leave this morning without accepting that peace through Jesus. And the prayer comes from Deuteronomy. The priests were taught to pray it over the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, go in peace.